A continuation of bought and sold. It had been absolute terror, hours of moving non-stop. Your stomach began to growl in hunger, but you had not packed any provisions, not wanting to waste food on the dead and choosing instead to endure. The landscape was beautiful and you held off as long as you could until the coachman had offered to stop on the way, which of course you gladly accepted. During those few hours of reprieve, you settled your stomach with berries and water that had fallen right to sleep when you returned to the cart. The bumps and hitches of the road, feeling ever so inconsequential, as the feelings had subsided. Unsure of yourself, but too tired to care, you left sleep drifting into a land where you were still with your sisters. Slowly but surely, you awoken, feeling the cold press against the layers of your kimono. Hello? I called out. No one responded. Hello? Hello? You called again and again. You realized you could not feel any movement or any noises from the horses. Scared and confused, you determined to be brave and peered to the window. Though you could not see anything through the thick fog. Collecting all your nerves, you opened the cart door, opting to step out into the mysterious fog so dense you could not see past your own feet. An eerie silence filled the air, and you moved, unsure of which direction to travel in. You'd hoped you'd find the coach, so you moved, lifting your skirts, tried to maneuver and feel your feet stepping on sturdy stone. Hello? Coachman? You whispered, the fear in your voice carried by the chilling breeze that hit your back. You looked around into the emptiness, unsure whether this was still life or you had been accepted into the cold embrace of death. You pushed forward, unsure if you were going north, south, east, or west. But after what felt like an hour of walking, you were certain you would pass the cart somewhere along the way. Beads of sweat dripped down your face, making your body feel even colder. When something sounded in the distance, Cautiously, you began to spend your walking towards the sound, almost tripping over a stone, as it became louder and louder, until you could see the light in a distance. What is this? The sound of metal hitting metal.
made your mouth turn to ash. But still, onwards you walked. The voice of the man from long ago still echoing in your head. You step in front of the doorway, looking into the shadow of a man, hammering at swords. You were unsure if you should introduce yourself or just wait. Time ticked by as you watched the hazy image of a stranger putting his hammer into the open furnace. This was a gigantic area with multiple files and barrels of water. Swords hung from the walls and raw metals were stacked in piles into woven baskets. Cauldrons stacked high with rods and tools that you had not recognized. You stared intently at the man. He had begun to carry some kind of heavy metallic cauldron of red heated metal. You wonder how strong he had to be to carry that. You figured it would be at least three men, but to your surprise, he handled it well. You watched as the boiling red lava was expertly poured into the molten table. Your breath hitched, afraid that he might accidentally distract him, causing to him to burn himself. Yes, you in the shadow of fog. What do you want? The voice called. I'm sorry, me? What do you want? Hi, yes, um, I, I'm actually looking for somebody. You said as you walked into the door, your hand still on the door frame. The light allowed for a better view, and you find yourself sitting at the back of a very large man, long black hair sticking out to bare shoulders, a jumbly blue shirt around his waist, and a matching pair of wide pants exposed his tempered shape and the pronounced line of his spine. Who are you looking for? He had turned his head slightly, looking over his shoulders. That's when he noticed a mask. The mask it looked exactly like the one you saw years ago. Your eyes went wide, hand covering your mouth as you gasped. It's you? Me? Well, no. You have the same mask as the man I met all those years ago. Madam, I believe you're confused. I have never met you before, so I don't think you're looking for me specifically. He stated as he removed his large gloves. Well, no. I'm actually looking for my husband, but we've never met before. Get out. I don't have time for the ramblings of a mad woman. <laughs> your hands tug at your veil in seething anger. How dare he call you mad? Sir, I assure you I'm not mad. Please feel free to turn around. Mm. He turned and then stopped in shock and confusion. You're not wearing a mask. He looked away as if you had done something indecent. I, I can see that outline of your face. Hi, that's because I'm not from around here, you explained. I'm here on an arranged marriage. I don't know what happened. You could see his eyes were nailed to the floor. I fell asleep on my way here, and when I came to, the driver was nowhere to be found. I called out, but nobody answered, and I've been walking around for hours. 
He walked to the table at the furthest end of the workroom, picking up a clean handkerchief. And I don't know anyone's name. You could feel tears beginning to weld in your eyes. Here. He said, throwing the handkerchief and looking away from you. Cover your face. You took it with trembling hands and held it under your veil, wrapping it around your nose and letting it cover your lips and chin. Better? If you can sit over there a while, I'll finish and I'll take you to Times Square. Slowly, he looked at you. His stare was heavy, but he nodded. Yes, please. With a bow, you ran and took a seat. Watching intently as he placed his gloves back on, his arms tensing with emotion, and with a quick flick of his wrist, he shoved his black hair away from his shoulders. He begins to shake the table back and forth, loosening the mold. Your chest grows heavy watching him work with such passion and focus. Tell me, how does an outsider marry into the Lord Smith village? Well, it sort of fell on my lap. You began to tell him your story, and that all you could remember. Although he st never sits still, you could feel as if he was listening, and that was more than enough. You almost yelled as he sanded down the sword, which honestly looked so beautiful already. So, you have no idea who your husband is, but you're willing to sacrifice it all on behalf of your family. I do not know who your betrothed is, but I hope that he is worthy of a woman like yourself. You tugged at your veil, just a little bit embarrassed by his words, but still hungry for more. The bastard is very lucky indeed. May I know your name? It's Hotaru. I'm one of the many swordsmen in this village. Oh. I've heard of your village before. There are tales that your people make the best swords in all of the world. But it's impossible to find the village. You looked at him curiously. Why do you all wear masks? We wear Hotoyo masks. We keep our identity concealed, a tactic to protect us from being trapped in the outside world, since our skills are in high demand. Oh, technically, you don't have to wear a mask. Technically, no. But you kind of get used to it after time. It feels like a second skin. I feel pretty naked without it. Your eyes fell onto his bones of his chest, barely concealed by his thick apron. But then why should I wear it? I'm not a swordsmith. He shook his head. Keep it on. You're a beautiful, tall, elegant woman walking around the wedding dress of all things. Temptation does run deep. You could feel the shivers travel up your arms and down your legs. How his words tickled your mind with simple thoughts. Something about the way he said that made you feel as if he might be watching you. Tempting you? Tempting for anyone. I am sure your wife would not approve of you saying such things. You say, trying to push things further, unsure of whether you were thinking and how far you were willing to go. If 
I had one. I'm sure she would cut ramen with a dagger in hand to slice me and you into thin ribbons. But alas, as I have none, you may rest without worry. Oh, well, um, see, okay. I know that this might be a bold request, but can I see your face? You see him put down the sanding paper. Just for a second. He placed his sword in a barrel of water. Slowly he walked towards you while removing the gloves from his hand and throwing each one into the molding table. He was silent and your thighs grew dewy with each step. Tell me, ma'am, he said, his body towering, but he lowered himself, his body squatting to be eye to eye. Why would I do that? You thought for a moment and then smiled. Well, because temptation runs deep. And what would I get in exchange for such a huge favor? He crossed his arms below his pecs, and you thought for a moment. One kiss from Rachel before she's fully owned and never to be yours again. His thumb traveled to the line of his chin. Well said, madam. You waited as he slowly lifted his mask. Patiently, he put it in his apron, and you were surprised that he was more beautiful than you had imagined. His face was smooth, with thin lips that curved into sharp lines. His eyes were so sharp like almonds, in a golden brown, with thick black eyebrows. His face was almost feminine in its beauty. I am waiting said, almost breaking the spell. You untied the handkerchief and lifted the veil slightly. Before you can think, his face came closer and you closed your eyes, feeling the soft flesh of his lips melding with yours. Shamelessly, you leaned forward, pressing your body against his, but he pulled away. You have fulfilled your promise and I mean nothing more. Out without once a bit, someone is destined for another. But I must resist, at least while I have my wits about me. Well, the lucky bastard might never get a chance to see his wife. He pulled back, and the frown on his face made him seem more ethereal. You could have never expected such a beauty from a man, and such shameful, wanton actions from yourself. Let's go, he said, placing the mask back on his face. The sun began to rise through the horizon, but the fog was still too thick, and on the back of an ox, you sat, your head gently laid against his back. The smell of fire clung to him like a cloak, and you wished you could let yourself melt into it. His shirt was the only thing between you and him. Life felt cruel to meet such a beauty right before your marriage, but you remember Hannah and Maury. You breathed out deeply. It's not good to want it all. And even if you were married off to a monster or some crazy old loon, it was the best for the best. The further in you went, the more people you began to see 
moving around. When does the fog lift? You ask. It's very rare to fully lift, but every once in a while, the fog will dissipate and you can see the beauty of this village. Hmm, that sounds nice. Well, we are almost here. You can see and go to the temple. It's almost like you hear you, that's where they'll go. You smile slightly. Somewhat embarrassed by the looks of the masked people and grateful to have hit in your face. But you didn't really want to let go. There you go. You looked up at the beautiful slopes of a high temple, dragons decorating its pillars. It was gorgeous. But it felt so lonely. Is this where we part? You asked, your heart breaking once again. Yes, it is. He holds your hand as you get off the ox. I wish you happiness in your marriage. Feet placed soundly on the floor, you bow your head, trying not to let the tears spill. Thank you. I will remember you forever. You honor me with your words. I am sure we will cross paths once again. You watched him ride off into the distance, and you stood awkwardly. Watching people move around in their daily life, you felt like a spirit haunting the entrance as you walked back and forth, pacing, and trying not to make eye contact with people who were clearly staring at you. Uh, I've been looking all over for you, young lady. You recognize that voice anywhere. As the man approached, much like Hataru, in that familiar mask. Please join me again for chapter three. Bye.